Houston, we have a podcast. Welcome to the official podcast of the NASA Johnson Space Center, episode 201, Citizen Science on Station. I'm Gary Jordan, and I'll be your host today. On this podcast, we bring in the experts, scientists, engineers, astronauts, all to let you know what's going on in the world of human spaceflight. There are opportunities for college students to design an experiment that flies to the International Space Station and comes back to Earth. There are a few requirements to be selected, one of which is that these college students must involve K-12 students at some level as citizen science and get them involved as well. The program is called Student Payload Opportunity with Citizen Science, or more commonly known as SPOCS. Recently, NASA intern Sarah Smith, who worked on SPOCS under NASA's STEM on Station initiative, interviewed students that were selected in December 2020, expecting to fly their experiments to the station in the 2022 timeframe. The experiments are very interesting, and they have really unique applications. She put together a narrative audio product, and I thought it would be a cool story to share here on Houston We Have a Podcast. So to help me introduce this story, I have Sarah Smith here with me in the studio. Welcome, Sarah. Thanks, Gary. I'm happy to be here. So uh, let's help to kick off and explain what this uh, story is going to be about. Can you tell me about the students that we're going to be bringing on today and, and you, that you uh, interviewed? Yeah, so I had the opportunity to chat with uh, student teams from five universities across the nation, um, Stanford, Columbia, University of Idaho, Arkansas State, and the University of New Hampshire at Manchester. And so I got to talk to them about their experiences of working together, building payloads to send to the International Space Station. And each, uh, each team developed their own scientific experiment that's related to sustainability or bacteria resistance. And there's just some really unique and exciting ideas being explored by these students. And I guess a couple of my favorites are the University of Idaho team is studying uh, bacteria resistant polymers, which has huge potential benefits for the space station and uh, future space travel endeavors. And uh, Arkansas State has an experiment where they're looking at plastic degradation by wax worms. Um, so plastic pollution and microplastics are, you know, becoming a huge problem here on Earth. And so the science around uh, degrading plastic uh, with wax moth larvae is really exciting. So, yeah, and they talk about their uh, their local communities and working with K-12 students to engage them in citizen science, um, which is just a really great part of it. Because I certainly don't remember doing anything like that when I was in school. And I just think it's so great that they're engaging these kids um, with the science, with science that will go to the space station. I mean, that just is so cool. Yeah, I mean, this sounds like pretty complicated stuff. So how'd you approach the interview process? Yeah, so all these interviews were done uh, online because we're in a pandemic still. Um, mm. So everybody has been working remotely throughout this process. So these students are all, they're all pros at online collaboration by now, and they, they made my job easy for sure. But um, they also were able to, show, uh, to share some of their u unique perspectives about uh, developing these experiments, uh, working remotely, um, and the challenges. And, you know, there was surprisingly some benefits of uh, working together without being uh, together in the lab. So I really enjoyed the product that you put together. It's sort of a, a narrative piece that because uh, you, you did all these interviews, but then you, you sort of put it together into an audio storytelling format. Can you tell me about your process? Yeah, so this these interviews were originally for a written piece I did um, that was uh, published on the NASA blog. So 
um, the content was just so good. And I had recorded these interviews to kind of reference back and, um, you know, be able to, to check my notes and everything when I was writing the article. And I just thought, you know, this would be a really great opportunity to go into depth a little more about uh, the students' work and, you know, create a better understanding and connection to what the teams are doing. And I love podcasting and storytelling. So I just, yeah, I just went for it. I'm really excited to get into it, but it sounds like you've been having a pretty good experience at NASA so far, getting to interview some cool people and, and putting together all these products, some written products, sharing good stories. How's your NASA experience been so far? Well, I mean, it's been absolutely incredible, and it's, I mean, it's just a dream come true to be able to, you know, apply my passion uh, for science communication and creating media products, um, videos, podcasts, um, all different kinds of things, and I get to contribute to work that matters. So I'm really proud to be a NASA intern, um, especially since I'm a non-traditional intern. Mm. Um, I'm a mid-career changer and a mom, and it's just really cool to work for an organization that really supports and believes in interns um, from all different walks of life. And the experience I've gained has just been invaluable. And, you know, anybody that's thinking about applying, um, definitely check it out. It's not just engineering. Um, or being a scientist, there's all kinds of roles, communications roles, business administration. So yeah, definitely check it out. Very cool. Well, Sarah, I'm very excited to share some of your hard work uh, on this podcast today. So so you ready? We're going to get right into it. All right. Sounds good. All right. All right. Uh, to, to our listeners, here's the uh, wonderful product that Sarah put together. I hope you enjoy. For the past year, students from five universities across the United States have been working to ready payloads for the launch at the end of this year and early next year. Initially, Students engaged in the competitive process to participate in SPOCs by submitting proposals detailing their scientific questions, experimental design, payload build, and citizen science outreach plans. The selected student teams and experiments include Columbia University and their Carmen experiment, characterizing antibiotic resistance in microgravity environments, Stanford University's biopolymer research for in situ capabilities, also known as BRIC the University of Idaho study of bacteria-resistant polymers in microgravity, Arkansas State University and their experiment on microgravity environment impact on plastic biodegradation, and the University of New Hampshire at Manchester's Novel Methods of Antibiotic Discovery in Space, or NOMADS. Designing an experiment to fly to the International Space Station is a challenging opportunity for the students participating together in SPOCs. So we're going to be making bricks on the ISS, making bricks on Earth, and seeing the microstructure differences between the two of them, um, and seeing um, if there's design considerations that need to be made when you're designing uh, the habitats on Mars. That's Will Alvarokoski, one of the Team Brick co-leads from Stanford. Team Brick is now working with material to make concrete on the Moon and Mars in a mixture that consists of basic ingredients, dirt, water, and binding protein. We are using a material called uh, protein-bound soil composites. 
Oh, biopolymer balance or composite, I'm sorry. And basically what it is, is you take dirt from anywhere, um, usually just local materials, mix it with water and mix it with this protein. And once it's dried, it turns into material with around half the strength of Portland cement. Uh, so it's a very, um, so if you need to build stuff on Mars where you need a lot of mass to provide radiation shielding, this allows you to avoid using, carrying all the mass from Earth. You can just bring the protein powder and then use the local dirt and you've got radiation shielding habitats fairly ch cheaply. While working on a design idea for a machine to make bricks on Mars, Team Brick students from Stanford found themselves looking for ways to test their process in microgravity. Phoebe Wall is Team Brick's other co-lead. We have been, as a team, designing a brick machine. Um, that's how actually we got started before this Fox competition um, is a machine that'll make these bricks autonomously on Mars. And so we were you know, talking amongst ourselves and wondering how will this process look different in the one-third gravity on Mars. So we actually started looking into, okay, how could we test this in partial gravity? What are our resources available to us? Um, and so that's when we discovered Spox and applied for that. And so we're hoping that we can use data from Spox uh, coupled with um, data from, from centrifuges on Earth that will get us, you know, forces above 1G. Um, and then hopefully we'll be able to fit a curve to that and interpolate what this process would look like in the one-third gravity environment of Mars. Columbia's Spox team will make their data available online worldwide for individuals to contribute to the citizen science component of their project. Through online analysis and tracking, Columbia has been able to further expand their team's emphasis on accessibility. Hugo Favilla, Columbia's citizen science and outreach lead explains. And really anybody on, who has an internet connection can download all the data once we have it up there and do the experiment at home or, or run um, the experiment at home. Here's Swati Ravi, one of Columbia's team co-leads, talking about the science behind their experiment. Uh, it utilizes a form of antibiotic testing called Kirby Bauer testing. So basically, um, it's going to be images that they can see of these dishes, um, where they'll sort of be little rings around little discs of antibiotics, where the size of the ring of sort of killed off bacteria shows how effective the antibiotic is. And so they'll actually be able to use like real image processing software that um, like laboratories use um, to do this uh, analysis and sort of measure the distances um, of these circles to see which antibiotics um, become more or less effective um, when exposed, when the bacteria are exposed to microgravity. Yeah, um, and then our second mini project is aimed towards high schoolers, and it's a bioinformatics um, type of project. And the person that spearheaded that, Teo, who's actually a freshman on our team, he's been putting together these really great tutorials. Um, and they're just to show you how great they are, he's actually using them to teach people in his lab some cool stuff about bioinformatics. So the kids are going to be getting some good content out of that. A requirement for participation in Spox is for each of the five teams to conduct educational outreach and involve K-12 students as part of their experiment. The University of Idaho's website provides an example of successful citizen outreach. As citizen science lead Adriana Bryant tells us, the team recently completed this portion of the Spox experiment with the help of local elementary students in Moscow, Idaho, to swab petri dishes and look at the effectiveness of the bacteria-resistant polymers they plan to test on the space station. 
And so basically our project will be testing non-fouling polymers in microgravity. And so these polymers have um, been scientifically proven on earth to resist bacteria adhesion. So currently on the ISS, they have these different solutions that will clean high contact surface areas, door handles, um, counters, things like that. And so we're thinking that if you can put these non-fouling polymers on these high contact surface areas, then we can prevent bacteria growth in the first place. We have three of our non-fouling polymers that we made. And so each student, so there's about 200 kits that we distributed, um, was given two of our polymers and a control. And so basically once a week, they would swab these Petri dishes and put a little bit of the nutrient broth on top of it and then allow bacteria to grow. As citizen scientists working with Spox researchers, younger participants are exposed to what it's like to work with real world science and contribute through data analysis. That's what's really cool. And I really like our citizen science because um, one of the big things we stress is that there is no like right answer. There is no known right now for the students. And like a lot of times, even in college, like you know, you, you kind of know where you're going and what the answer is, especially in elementary school too. And um, it's cool that there is no right answer. So they're kind of doing like real science. Um, so I really like that about our project. Associate Professor of Molecular Biology, Maureen Dolan, mentors the team at Arkansas State University, all sophomores. She's continually impressed by the energy and excitement her students bring to their Spox project. This project came from them. So it a lot of projects I know come from um, existing projects, uh, faculty projects. This was actually inspired by these students and they had a real passion for the environment. Arkansas State University is working with waxworms to study degradation of polyethylene in space, which could also potentially offer insights into how this might benefit humanity and the global ecosystem here on earth. So we're seeing these wax worms in space and we're seeing if they're able to uh, degrade this polyethylene in our controlled environment. That's Landon Purdue, one of the sophomores from Arkansas State University Spox team. So the biologists are working on creating and uh, or creating a colony and controlling exactly uh, the kind of food they give it to control it. So we know exactly what kind of bacteria are growing in their stomachs when we send them in space. The engineering team is working on optimizing and creating our pods in which the worms are, are going to be sent up in. So we're working on dealing with the constraints and uh, different layers of protection. Um, so these wax worms have been shown um, to degrade polyethylene and could potentially be used also of broader impacts here on Earth. But the idea that to be able to take those onto uh, the space station and use those under microgravity conditions is... is um, pretty cool. Team Cook from the University of New Hampshire at Manchester is partnering with Northeastern University on an experiment related to antibiotics and mutation rates utilizing bacteria from soil. Flexibility and dialogue are crucial to ensuring their project is a success. Here's team co-leads Sydney Rollins and Raymond Miller to explain. It, it revolves around uh, antibiotic discovery and also uh, kind of mutation rates of bacteria. So we are setting up um, a device uh, invented by Slava Epstein at Northeastern University, actually, we're partnering with them, and it allows uh, us to culture bacteria in a more in-situ-like environment by actually sending up soil, that's where we're getting our bacteria from, and then uh, we can 
look at how microgravity and you know some EM uh, affects uh, bacteria and how they are pressured into creating more antibiotics. That really gives us an idea of how bacteria will try to mutate uh, as space exploration kind of continues and evolves. Um, you know, of course, we're taking bacteria from Earth and putting it in an environment that it really doesn't want to be in. So it's it's important that we get a model to to build off of that. As far as citizen science, uh, we're going to have a group of middle schoolers, probably in seventh grade, that will be super involved in our project in particular. They will go out and get the soil. We'll have meetings with them. So they'll have a control experiment happening in their school at the same time as ours is, is in space. And then when ours comes back from space, they'll come to our lab and they'll get to process some of their samples using like real microbiology techniques, like you know hemolysis plates. So they can see some cool hemolysis. Um, they'll have some catalyzed and oxidase tests, just some simple biochemical stuff that they get to play with um, so they can see their the samples that have been in their school the whole time. And then they'll have real experience in a microbiology lab. Spock's participants agree that one of the most enjoyable aspects of working on their project is the chance to collaborate as an interdisciplinary cohort with a variety of STEM-related roles. With majors varying from environmental science to engineering to business and biology, freshmen through graduate students are working towards a common goal alongside their teammates. Stanford citizen science lead Benjamin Gao sums up a team experience pretty well. There's a very environmental side, there's a um, material science component, and there also are um, engineering components as well. We have a part where we're building the actual machine, and that requires a lot of CAD work, a lot of engineering work. Everyone has something unique to contribute since everyone, there are so many different, uh, our team members come from so many different majors, from aeroastro to um, business to mathematical and computational science. Everyone has something unique to offer, and that's what we really value on our team. I have a much stronger background in like biochemistry, and a lot of this project requires um, more like mechanical and technical skills, which I don't really have a background in. That's Cal Ganeshan, a team co-lead from Columbia. But despite that, I've never felt like I wouldn't be able to contribute to this project because this whole time we've been um, receiving a mentorship and help and guidance from older students. Um, for example, we received um, kind of tutorials on how to use um, Fusion 360 and do CAD and how to work some of the more um, electrical facets of the project. And so I've never done any of that, but because of the tutorials we've been receiving, I feel like I can get involved. And so all around, it's just been a great experience. We're all sophomores on this team. So all of us are really new to this type of stuff too. So it was a great experience to be able to learn with everybody else as they're trying to figure out how, how to make this experience work. Over the past year, the students have overcome obstacles, learned to adapt, and gained valuable professional experience working virtually as a scientific research team. Reorienting to a remote learning model provided students with unexpected insight on what they might expect in their research experience when their payloads are 200 miles above Earth on the International Space Station. Here's Kylie Holland from Team Brick's Outreach Committee. I believe for us the greatest challenge we've had to overcome was the transition to remote work. Um, we are a hardware and hands-on material science focused team. Um, we do Prior to the pandemic, all of our work was in the lab or in our workspace. And so when um, our school closed down, we were moved off campus very quickly. We couldn't take any of our supplies. Our, uh, our BSA, the stuff we used to make the bricks, is still, still locked somewhere in our workspace. Um, and I've always been really impressed by how effectively Phoebe and Will, our project leads, 
sat down and figured out, okay, how are we going to keep this team alive and thriving throughout a potentially very long period of remote work? Um, and they did that by pulling in, by pulling up this proposal and, and reorienting the team away from in-person material science research to focusing on remotely completing uh, this proposal. Um, we've only been able to start meeting, like parts of a team at least, meeting in person uh, starting the beginning of this year. So a majority of our work actually happens virtually. So it's been really interesting to like kind of form that community and see how the team grows virtually. And then just in terms of teamwork and communication, I think that since everything is so interconnected, we definitely have learned that we can't kind of go in our own corners and design these things and then like meet back up a week later because everything that one person does will somehow subsequently affect another part of the project. Um, and so I know that like just with like our type of bacteria, we were working with a BSL-2 bacteria and just to make it like overall more safe uh, for the experiment, we chose BSL-1. But with that science component, it changes our uh, containment levels and just like that, it's kind of a domino effect. So kind of working through those obstacles has been a learning curve for us. And I think, um, especially for a lot of us are engineers. So I think that um, just, you know, learning how to, just learning how to learn, honestly, <laughs> how to take a scenario that you've never been in and work through that with other people and draw from their particular expertise has definitely been the way that we've been successful so far. Um, and that applies to, you know, most of us go off and work in industry. So I think that's a great like transition between, you know, working on this project that no one really knows how to do and figuring that out and then using those skills later on in whatever we do. You have to be adaptable. You have to be willing to make a lot of um, changes and trade-offs. And also you have to really know how to work well on a team. And I think we've had a first-hand knowledge of working on a team since we're not actually in person. Well, some of us are in person, but the majority of the team is not in person. They're in other parts of the world. And just learning like, how to communicate properly with each other as Swati and Cal do. They're great leads. Um, I think it's made it pretty successful. I think it was setting our goals um, as high as they were in the beginning and sort of daring to be um, as ambitious as we were even in our like proposal stage that allowed us to uh, still uh, accomplish quite a lot in sort of um, pushing the boundaries of what we even thought would be possible for us when we first started out this project. What are the hopes for the Spox teams as they work towards the next phase of their experiments and prepare to launch? I'm also hoping that, you know, us as a team and then also the students that we're interacting with, whether they be high school students um, with citizen science or, you know, K through 12 students with outreach, um, that we can gain skills that we wouldn't have gained just through school or classwork. Um, that we can gain, you know, hands-on skills when it comes to material science and then also, you know, working on CAD. Um, you know, there's a lot of operational work and then also testing that goes into something, something to the International Space Station that you might not have that rigor in in a school project. Um, and so I think that that'll be really beneficial for all of our learning. In terms of things you're looking forward to seeing the most, I think the thing I'm looking forward to seeing the most is just seeing the polyethylene actually be degraded and eaten in microgravity. Just seeing the results and the pictures come back and then us being able to try and quantify that 
and writing a paper about it to try and expand our knowledge of that subject. So that's just really exciting to me to be able to try and understand that better and to actually be part of the growing knowledge of science. Hey, thanks for sticking around. I hope you enjoyed our episode today. It's a little bit unusual because we brought in a product that an intern created, and I really liked it, and I hope you did too. If you want more of it, please uh, provide some comments and reviews and let us know. Uh, this product was about the NASA SPOCS program, Student Payload Opportunity with Citizen Science. It's part of NASA STEM on Station. So if you'd like to learn more, just search NASA STEM on Station or NASA SPOCS, S-P-O-C-S, to find out more. Uh, if you just go to our episode webpage, though, we'll have the links for you, and you can go right to those webpages from there. We are one of many NASA podcasts all across the agency. Go to nasa.gov slash podcast to check them all out, and then you can listen to our episodes in no particular order. If you'd like to chat with us, we're on the NASA Johnson Space Center pages of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just use the hashtag AskNASA on any one of those platforms, submit an idea, maybe a question. Just make sure to mention it's for us. At Houston, we have a podcast. The interviews for this episode were recorded in March of 2021. Thanks to Alex Perryman, Pat Ryan, Norma Moran, Belinda Polito, Jennifer Hernandez, Katie Atkinson, Thalia Petrino, Scott Black, Crystal Winners, and the STEM on Station team for bringing all of this together on this podcast. Thanks to the students who participated in the interviews, and a huge thanks to Sarah Smith for coming on the podcast today to introduce this portion and for creating the narrative portion of today's episode. Next week, episode 202, Sarah Smith introduced in the beginning that she is a non-traditional student. We're going uh, to go into depth with three uh, non-traditional students. So if you're interested in becoming uh, coming to NASA and maybe you didn't take a path that maybe you're used to four years at college and then you do a couple internships while you're in college, maybe you want to learn more about other opportunities that exist, that episode's for you. That's coming next week, episode 202. Uh, if you like what you heard, or if you don't like what you heard, give us a rating and feedback on whatever platform you're listening to us on, and tell us what you think of our podcast. We'll be back next week.